9.08, Jeff Wagner, 6.20, WTMJ. I just reached out. I just heard from uh, my, my be- very best friend who now lives in Milwaukee who uh, um, actually spent his entire working career, or a good part of his working career, in, in Alexandria. And his son, my friend Dean, is a baseball player and played, played a number of games at that field, was talking about. Uh, so it kind of really hits home when you can see that. Um, typically, we, we start off every program with something I call three big things, stories that you need to know. We're, we've sort of blown up the format for today, obviously, because of the story that is going on in Alexandria, Virginia. Right now, I don't know that there's new details emerging, but we'll continue to keep you updated on things, including with uh, regular updates like Jane was just talking about. But But there are certain aspects of the story that I do feel comfortable discussing now. All right, uh, let me let me start off with the, the underbelly of, of the Internet. Uh, Congressman Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, sent out a, a tweet in the aftermath of, of the shooting. Here's what Congressman Ryan wrote. This morning, the hearts of the entire House, the hearts of the whole House, are with Steve Scalise, the brave Capitol Police, staff, and all those who were in harm's way. All right, so that's that's Ryan's tweet. Um, here is the response of someone named James Jane Powers. All right, and it's addressed uh, with an obscenity towards the congressman. But but here's what someone named Jane Powers responds. Um, at Speaker Ryan, at Steve, speak, at Steve Scalise, how does gun control sound now? Hashtag cowardly Ryan. All right, so the response in the aftermath of this is, how does gun control sound now? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is, it is a tragedy. We don't know the motive, although we'll get into that a little bit later on. I, I think it's probably somewhat fair to speculate on what was happening here. But the initial response to at least one person on the underbelly of the Internet was, uh, Ryan, you are a coward. How does gun control sound now? Is this, is this situation a call for gun control or is that incredibly misguided? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is this a justification for gun control? Now, the reality of this is that if there were not armed Capitol Police officers on the scene, this situation, I think it is fair to say, would be much worse because the Capitol Police officers who were armed were able to engage the shooter and ultimately get the situation under control. Were there not members of the Capitol Police there, you would have had somebody that would have just, again, be able to shoot and shoot and shoot until somebody you know, makes a call to 911 and the police are able to respond. But all right, is this a justification? Because you have somebody who shows up and starts shooting indiscriminately at this baseball field, apparently attempting to take out politicians, is this a justification for gun control or does that miss the point badly? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You knew that this was going to be a reaction. I guess I'm perhaps a little bit surprised that the reaction came this swiftly. Let's start with Mike on the east side. Mike, you're first on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. 
morning. What do you think? Um, I was telling your screener that I, I, I actually uh, tweeted, uh, actually put a, a message on Facebook. I said, well, let's not jump to, to gun control right away. I think it's ludicrous for them to be talking about gun control when the people that are doing mostly shootings and the people that are so uh, angry are the people on the Democratic side of the aisle. Um, conservatives don't do this type of thing. Um, I've looked this up, and, I, and all these shooters have been either Democratic, uh, voting, or liberal-leaning uh, people. Well, I mean, so I, 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 don't, I mean, I, I guess, Mike, I don't, I don't want to go too far because I, I don't know. That. I don't know what the guy's motive is. I, I think we can, and I don't know. I, I think you know we can probably speculate on that. But but this idea that you know we have to go out and try to take people's guns away, and that's going to be the the thing that solves it. Well, all right. What exactly do you mean, Jane Powers of the world? Do do you want to then? Are we talking about confiscation? I mean, do you want to go out and confiscate everybody's hunting rifle? Is that what your goal is? And and do you think that that's going to make the world safer? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because the simple reality of this is, I mean, here you had essentially unarmed people who were able to be victimized by somebody who's either incredibly disturbed or criminally motivated or both or whatever, and they're the one that is armed. Were it not for armed police officers, this would have been a lot worse. Jake in Caledonia. Jake, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning, Jeff. I think it's a cop-out. You know, I vote for idiot control, not gun control. Uh, if he's determined to kill him, he's going to do it. I'm sorry. I did, it's just a, right. a cop-out. Well, I mean, I think it, thanks for your cell phone was cutting out. I'm sorry, but it is sort of a cop out as well. This is, I mean, here you have somebody that is, is very, very determined. Now, it's going to be interesting when you, when we find the details that are emerging about whoever the shooter is. What's the guy's background? Does he have a criminal record? Does he have a mental health history? Is there somebody who's made threats before who we should have gotten off the streets? But this kind of knee jerk reaction that's out there saying, well, th- this is all about guns. Okay. Well, tell me what you want to do. Do you really want to go out and confiscate everybody's firearms? Is, is that where we are going and is that the lesson that you take from this 414-799-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line we're back with your calls in just a moment if you're on the line hold on coming up in 20 minutes i have a listener who has decided where he thinks blame for the shooting this morning should be placed um i i will share it with you uh, and we will discuss. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. Trust me, you don't want to miss that segment. Right now, there's already people out there in the underbelly of the Internet um, saying, okay, this is Paul Ryan sends out a tweet expressing his um, sympathy for the victims and thanking the Capitol Police and other people for helping um, get this situation this morning under control. And the immediate response from some are, this is gun control. How do you feel about gun control now? Does that solve the problem? Jim in Grafton. Jim, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How come every time we have an incident, all these left-wingers jump up and they say, we need gun control? We have gun control. This country has gun control. Look at Chicago. Chicago has strict gun laws, and it's like the Wild West out there. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, And more people should be able to have guns for the simple reason the bad guys are always going to have guns. You're never going to stop that. And if more people are armed, hey, these guys are going to think twice before they're going to start whipping out their pistols or, or 
Well, there's no que- I mean, Joey, I mean, there, there, there's no question that this, as I was saying a couple minutes ago, that the situation in Alexandria this morning would have been a lot worse were it not for the fact that you had armed Capitol Police officers who happened to be on the scene who were, who were able to immediately engage the, the shooter. Um, I guess when going back to your big point, though, when, when people talk about gun control, that, that's kind of my question. What, what do you mean? I have a text here. Uh, gun control advocates. That's not the word that the person uses, but I'll use it. Gun control advocates don't realize how impossible it would be to confiscate 400 million weapons and how many constitutional amendments would need to be repealed to make it work. You see, that's that's the question I have. Whenever Tom Barrett or you know Ed Flynn in Milwaukee want to talk about how we, we need tougher gun laws, well, okay, I, I'm not... I'm not against tougher gun laws, but at the same time, we have millions of gun laws, you know, hundreds of gun laws, tens of gun laws, you know, and it's it's always you've got felons that aren't allowed to legally carry firearms. Well, they're carrying firearms and they're using them to commit crimes. At at some point in time, what, what do we do? Unless if you're talking about confiscation of firearms, okay, let's talk about confiscation of firearms, but then tell me, you know, how are you going to do this, and what are we going to do? Are we going to confiscate deer rifles? Is that going to be the, the idea? No more deer rifles, okay, can't have that. No more handguns, no more. I mean, are we really going to have police go door-to-door and try to demand that people turn in their guns, and what about the people that don't turn in their guns, and what about the people who have guns who are crim- part of the criminal element? You know, what, what does gun control in this context mean? Steve in Grafton. Steve, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. I think everybody on both sides that's reasonable realizes this is tra- tragic. And they don't... You know, you're talking about taking people's hunting rifles away. What people are talking about is taking, restricting like AK-47s. I mean, after Sandy Hook, 54 children got killed. They couldn't even get that done because so many of the congressmen and Senate, both sides, are in the pocket of the NRA. I think wanting to own an AK-47, Jeff, is just being selfish, okay? I mean, I, re- I have children. I wouldn't, you know, certain television shows I didn't let them watch. If I watched it with them, that would have been selfish. To want and possess an AK-47, which has no practical use for hunting. Okay, okay but as a practical matter, I mean, let's talk about the shooting today. If, if you have somebody that, for whatever motive, is designed to go out and wants to open fire on a, a number of, you know, people on a field... Um, I don't know what firearm, I don't know what kind of gun he used, but does it make any difference? I mean, are you going to take their shotguns? Are you going to take his, you know, deer rifle? Are you going to take his handgun? Let's let's put a six-pack on it, Jeff. I'll bet you he had an AK-47. Could be. All of these these happen to be that case. You know, it's always seems to be the same. And another thing people don't realize is, you know, how do the criminals get these? Well, you know how some of them get them, Jeff? They break in the houses of a law-abiding gun owner. And they steal that gun. Now that gun that was out in the system is now in the hands of a criminal. So the more guns is not the answer. That's ridiculous. Well, see, I guess, I mean, but first of all, my guess is the majority of crime guns aren't going to necessarily be guns that are stolen in the fashion you're talking about. It's going to be guns that are procured in other fashions. But, I mean, that, but see, that, that misses the, the bigger point, though. If All right, let's say you can't have the AK-47, okay, but fine, but you have somebody that is determined to show up at a baseball field and start shooting as many people as possible. All right, he can't get we, – we no longer manufacture this gun. 
And if we can figure out a way to magically make this particular firearm disappear, okay, boom, it's gone. You still have somebody that wants to cause as much damage as possible, that wants to shoot him up. All right, is he is he not going to use the deer rifle? Is he not going to use the handgun? Is he not going to use the shotgun? I mean, at, at some point in time, if, you know, when we talk about gun control, okay, you can focus on a particular type of gun. Like I say, you magically make that firearm go away. That unless you're taking all firearms away, they're just going to use the alternative that, that, that's out there. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage uh, Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Christopher in Illinois. Christopher, good morning. Morning, Jeff. Um, one of the tweets I saw about gun control in this case said, uh, well, Congress won't do anything because they didn't do anything when Gabby Giffords was shot and when Sandy Hook happened. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me how these folks are always calling for gun control, and as examples, they use incidents where you literally could not construct a law that would have prevented them. Adam Lanza killed his mother and took her guns. What law prevents that? Uh, the pole shooting, the anniversary, first anniversary of that was on Monday. That was perpetrated by a man who passed psych evals and was licensed to carry a weapon into a federal courthouse. Right. How do you construct a gun control law that keeps him from getting a semi-automatic firearm? Right. The, the, let's, do, let's use your Gabby Gifford situation, too, because, as a matter of fact, I, I went back and I, I pulled the, the information of that in, about that in, advance, in advance of this topic. Okay, the, the guy that, that shot Gabby Giffords in Arizona w- was a nut. I mean, first of all, crazy guy who had apparently made threats to her before and had been obsessed with her, um, had been turned down for the military because he was psycho, uh, psychologically unfit. There were all these warning signs, and, and he didn't use a 9 miller. He, he had a, he had a, a pistol. He had a Glock, you know, that, that he showed up with and because he had targeted her. So, I mean, the Gabby Giffords case, again, unless you're going to, to your point, Christopher, confiscate all the firearms that are in the world, you're not going to be able to solve that problem. Right. I mean, Taylor Loeffner, um, all you got to do is look at that guy's mugshot and know why that shooting happened. Yeah, I mean, right, right. Thanks for calling. I mean, that, that's, I mean, and that, that was the Gabby Giffords case, and it's, I mean, which, which was a horrible situation. But, but that was that was a kook, and that was somebody who had made threats to her before, and who was obsessed with her, and had psychological evaluations. And I mean, this was this was a guy that was screaming, "Hey, he he needs help!" Um, and nobody got him help, and he ended up with a pistol, and he did the shooting. I mean, my point is that unless, again, you're going to confiscate all the weapons, I don't necessarily see this as being a situation. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes, I want to switch to a different aspect of this. There's already out, about people out there who've decided, okay, we don't necessarily have to blame the guns. They know who they think is to blame. I'll share that with you. It's 927. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 929, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, let me move to a different aspect of, of this shooting. I, I have I have a text that I, I want to share with you, and then I want to open up the phone lines and get your reaction. Here is, here is the text. Unfortunately, this is the atmosphere Trump has created with his hatefulness and lies, and it is not going to get any better. People are angry. 
He doesn't use the word angry, but I'll use the word angry. Guns are not the answer, though. We all know that. But the operative thing is, if we're looking for someone to blame for the shooting today, it's Trump. This is the atmosphere Trump has created with his hatefulness and lies. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this the responsibility of the president? What do you think? I'll tell you where I come down on this. Let's start with Dennis on the south side. Dennis, thanks for waiting. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, this texture and many who voice the same opinion that it's Trump's fault are suffering from what I, what is known as Trump, Trump derangement syndrome. Mm-hmm. If they want to know the source of the hate, all they need to do is look in the mirror. Well, see, that – I mean, I guess that's what I – that's what I kind of thought about this because, look, I, I don't know what the guy's motive was, but ju- it's just as easy, for example, if you want to speculate, it's just as easy, if you want to blame Trump, it's just as easy to turn around and blame the New York Times and blame the Washington Post and blame MSNBC and blame the all we hate Trumpers who have created this entire in- this atmosphere of everything that Trump's doing. He's going to destroy the planet. He's going to, you know, destroy your health care. You know, people are going to die. I mean, if you want to go and try to look for atmosphere, if that's going to be the way you could do it, you could certainly, I think, point the finger in a lot of other directions as well, not at the president. I totally agree. Um, yeah. I, again, and I think, no, thanks. You can see, and I, I don't want to go. I, I think you have to be careful because we we don't know what the guy's motivation was. I mean, it at, at this point in time, could he have been like I say, the, the shooter in the Gabby Giffords case was a nut who was der- a deranged guy who was obsessed with her. I don't think he was trying to make a political statement at all. It is very possible that this suspect, and they've just named him, we'll go into that in just a couple minutes, it, it, maybe he was trying to make a political statement. I don't I don't know yet, and, and nobody does. But again, to say this is Trump's fault and it's the atmosphere, well, okay, it's just as easy to say, hey, there's a lot of other people who have contributed to this atmosphere as well, um, not necessarily the president. Sam and McHenry. Sam, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I, I'm actually surprised it took this long for something like this to happen because every time I turn on the TV set and I see all these protests going on mm-hmm. and I see public property being damaged, I see private property being damaged by a bunch of people who are unhinged. They are displaying this level of entitlement that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's all being driven by their insecurities that they just can't seem to shake off mm-hmm. and get with it. Well, well let's it, it look. Doesn't... Let's look at this example, Sam. That's been in the news. You, you've got the Public Theater Company in New York, which is staging a rendition of Julius Caesar, where the, the Caesar character is is played by a Trump imitator. Caesar's wife is portrayed by a, an imitator of Melania Trump, and you know people cheer at the assassination. I mean, you. And again, if you want to talk about a climate of hate and a climate of violence, a lot of blame to go around. Absolutely. But, you know, I feel like a lot of these protests have gotten too out of hand. You know, protesting is one thing, but when you start damaging property, I just feel like in some of these uh, instances, the police have not cracked down on this as hard as they should have. And you... You know, you're allowing these people to graduate to the next level here, and, and it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I've been saying that something like this is going to happen sooner or later because these people are completely unhinged, yeah, yeah. and they're insecure. They can't get control of what's going on in their head, 
And it's just a matter of time when something like this is going to happen. Well, no, you, you know, you, you know, and, and obviously, I mean, again, I, I want to be careful here because we don't know what the motive was, and it, it, I, I think. I think there's probably some theories about that that are going to play out. But, you know, for all I know, this guy could have been a, I don't know, he some somebody that was on there could have been somebody he knew that owed him money. I don't think that that's the case. I'm not going to try to be stupid about this. But at the same time, that this idea that, well, it's the atmosphere that Trump has created. No, I mean, as I say, elections have consequences. All right. What you've had is ever since the election of Donald Trump, you have had the, an opposition that has been unhinged completely and totally unhinged so it's like a day-to-day thing okay what's going to be the attack today oh he's destroying the planet because he pulled out of the paris climate accords oh my goodness you know we're nobody's going to have health care because you know he wants to repeal and replace obamacare it's one thing after another and when you know if you want to talk about atmosphere and we want to blame atmosphere i don't know that it's fair to blame the president of the united states for the hatefulness there's a lot of hatefulness to go around and maybe Maybe some people on the left need to start looking in the mirror. It's 9.55. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. President Trump will be speaking to the nation about the shooting. Um, we anticipate that that's going to occur within the next hour or so. Obviously, we will cont- we will bring that to you live. In addition, um, I, I want to sort of carry on the conversation that we've been having thus far Uh, maybe broaden it a little bit to talk about the overall political climate. So stick around. That's coming up. It's 959. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's uh, 10.08, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. A number of news outlets, uh, NBC News, Washington Post, are identifying the shooter. Um, the, the name that's being mentioned is James T. Hodgkinson, a 66-year-old man from Bellevue, Illinois, um, who... Well, uh, ran, let's see. Bellevue, Illinois native, according to his Facebook page, owns a company, a home inspection company, studi- studied at Southern Illinois University. Um, his Facebook page includes several political posts. Um, he, um, including Trump, is, there, here's one from March 22nd. Trump is a traitor. Trump has destroyed our democracy. It's time to destroy Trump and company. So um, that I, I'm sure we're going to hear more about that. But again, that's uh, at least what media outlets are reporting, that um, a 66-year-old guy from Bellevue, Illinois, who um, is, is a Trump hater that was responsible for the, the shooting. And I'm sure there'll be more details that are coming out. But that certainly, that, that certainly at least gives rise to the idea for some people who are suggesting that this might have been a, a politically motivated thing. Um, that would appear to be ammunition, but we'll wait till we hear more details about it. And again, that's just the uh, preliminary sort of indication um, based on the reports as to who this guy is. All right, I want to, I want to, and again, the president's going to be addressing the situation sometime during the course of the next hour. We will, of course, carry that live. I want to kind of expand on and broaden the topic that we were talking about at the end of of the last hour. 
um, people, okay, is this, there were some people blaming Trump. This is all Trump's fault. This is the atmosphere he's created. I, I just, I, I do this so you don't have to. But over, over the break, I was trolling the, the Internet, some of the fever swamps of the, the left-wing Internet. So trust me, you don't want to go there. Um, and and it's, immediate, it's amazing to me how many people are out there who are celebrating the shooting of this this congressman. Um, let's see, there, there's one out here. Well, you know, he, he actually spoke at an event sponsored by David Duke, um, a, another person saying, um, you know, this is, if, if, somebody, if somebody shot a Republican, they might have just been um, acting in self-defense. Um, he deserved it. You know, he, he spoke at a fundraiser for, you know, David Duke. Um, you know, he's a, he was part of the Tea Party. You know, what did you expect? A uh, good thing he works in government, otherwise the bullet wound wouldn't be covered under the GOP's, you know, thing. Um, let's see. He was shot in the hip. It's as if karma literally bit him in the rear end. Um, I don't care nothing about that shooting in Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, well, karma. My people are gunned down all the time by race soldiers, one after another. Th- there is this... And, and again, I, I appreciate that we are we're looking at the fever swamp. I I, I get it that you're you're kind of on the, the lunatic fringe, but that that lunatic fringe to me appears to be coming more and more normalized. As we were talking about in the last hour, you know, you've got you you cannot pick up a newspaper nowadays. For any of you who still pick up newspapers, you can't go online and read newspaper websites or websites of major media outlets without one story after another talking about how the Republicans are destroying this or Donald Trump is destroying that. The planet's going to the planet's going to be destroyed. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, we're the you know, we're going to have all these people who aren't going to be able to get health care. It's one thing after another after another and you know we've talked about this lack of civility and i understand it goes both ways and i get it that people could say well do you remember some of the things that you know people said about barack obama And, and yes you're right but i think when it comes to incivility what you've seen is an explosion of this and stuff that would not have been said or done a couple years ago and and look there is no way in god's green earth that the New York Public Theater Company would have staged Julius Caesar with an image of, with people impersonating Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. They would not have done that. And if they did it, they would have been denounced as racist and trying to promote violence against the president. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Has the political climate just become totally and completely poisoned and is that climate at least potentially partly responsible for inducing obviously deranged people to start to act out? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, um, 
I know there's a lot of people on, on the right and some people in my industry that engaged in soul searching. You know, did, did we do stuff over the years that led to the rise of Donald Trump? Will there be any soul searching from people on the other side of the aisle wondering whether or not the climate that has been perpetuated and created over the course of the last several months is leading to some of this violence? Is, is the climate so bad that this is just the logical outcome. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think yes. 1017, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The uh, multiple media reports are that the shooter in the incident in Virginia, 66-year-old guy from Illinois named James Hodgkinson, um, according to at least the initial reports on his Facebook page, politically active on the left according to his this is abc news reporting according to his wife um he's been living in alexandria virginia for the past two months even though he's from belleville illinois which makes you uh, again wonder whether he moved to alexandria virginia with the intent of doing something like this or whether it was was spontaneous so those are the reports that are emerging but but in general there, there is this climate that's out there and i appreciate we, we, there has always been political hostility i i get that but boy it sure seems to be getting a lot worse vincent on the northwest side vincent good morning uh, good morning jeff uh, this political uh, uh, craziness started under Barack Obama. When Barack Obama gave gave a State of Union address and, 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 a, and a sitting senator yelled out, "You you lie!" Mm-hmm. It started. It, it, it started well, but it started thinking. before that. I mean, I think, remember all the stuff that was directed at George Bush during the Iraq War. I mean, it's. I mean, you, you know, you just just remember all that type of stuff. You know, too. I mean, all the all the hatred that was there. It, it's been. We've had a poison climate for a long time, and and and, and it's and it's going to continue, and and, and 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 until we begin to put this country together, the disrespect for the office of the presidency, it it it, it just was palatable under President under President Obama. The fact that a number of individuals that have threatened the president President Obama was was huge. The number of people who climbed across the wall, climbed across the fence, to get into the president, to get in to try to get to the president. Was was unprecedented under under Obama. The fact is, this thing is going to get worse and worse and worse. People are are, are going to their deep dark corners, and they're coming out with this craziness. And so, it, it, it has to stop. Or we're going to have tragedy uh, tragedies that we 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 don't we can't imagine in this country until we decide that, regardless of one, we have to respect the office of the presidency. Well, or or the, the whole. I mean, thanks for or or the whole political process. Now, where I disagree with you, Vincent, and I, I guess I mean yes, I I understand there's hostility directed to Barack Obama, but at the same time, I I I don't believe that that's where it started. I mean, again, if you want to, I mean, just I I remember you know during during the tenure of of President Bush. I, you want to talk about hate speech, and it was pretty much okay because there's people out there that think they're morally superior, and that they, you know, Bush is a warmonger and all these different types of things. So we can say anything and we can do anything, and there's, you know, we we are superior because you know we have we have the moral high ground. I mean that that was appalling as well. 
but it does seem to me that it's ratcheting to a, a new level. And I, I concede that there was, in, in some dark corners out there, that there was there was a hatred among some people of Barack Obama. Now, I think a lot of that was misplaced. I, I, the thing with Obama that was always frustrating is if you disagreed with him on policy, then, you know, often, well, you, you were just, you were a racist, you know, and, and which... Isn't it possible to disagree with people on policy? But I, I do think it has been ratcheted up, and it, it's been normalized. And again, I just I, I hate to keep going back to this example of you know what was you know what the, the Shakespeare in the Park thing. But okay, this is this is a big deal, sponsored by lots and lots of big companies, including like the New York Times, and you're, you're essentially having a drama, Julius Caesar. Um, that, that glorifies in this case or depicts the brutal assassination of somebody that, that is designed to look like Donald Trump. Okay, that that's that's not a normal type of thing. Again, if you if you turn on you know the the talking head shows and you watch the MSNBCs of the world, it's not just we disagree with this guy on policy or you know we think he's wrong on climate change or whatever, um, or we, we think we you know we, we it's not just we disagree with the Republicans. It's that they are evil. They are horrible and you can you know understand why you get some unhinged and some of the reports are this guy was a bernie sanders supporter you know some unhinged character who just goes into his own little world and decides to act out in this fashion well sometimes you know you can you can see that um and then then you wonder why we have these types of things and again it's just it's the unhinged nature of political discourse. Now, I have a text, somebody saying, are you saying that Donald Trump bears no responsibility for this? Look, I'm the first to acknowledge that Donald Trump, um, I find a lot of the stuff that he says and the way he goes about things to be boorish. I've I've said that since he was was running for office. But but that's, that's not... That's not a justification for this atmosphere that's out there, which is apparently, okay, anything goes. The Republicans are, we can't just disagree with them, they're evil. They want to destroy the planet. They want to take all your money and give it to rich people. They don't care about, you know, anybody who's poor. They don't care about health care. We're going to kill all these people. Well, you keep repeating that mantra, and at some point in time, you, you get some of these kooks that end up buying into it. Ten twenty-five. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. President Trump is um, expected to address the nation at uh, in about five minutes. We will, of course, be bringing that to you live. All right. Here's the uh, Washington Post. A squ- acquaintance describes campaigning for Bernie Sanders with shooting suspect Charles O'Rear, fifty, a restaurant manager from St. Louis, said that he became friendly with James T. Hodgkinson, who law enforcement officials identified as the shooter during their work in Iowa on Senator Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign. O'Rear said Hodgkinson was a passionate progressive. Hmm and showed no signs of violence or malice towards other you've others you got to be kidding me he said when on the phone i met him on the bernie trail in iowa worked with him in the quad cities area a rear described hodgkinson as a quiet guy who was very mellow very reserved 
That's what you always hear. I just, you know, the next door neighbor, I couldn't believe they had bodies buried in the backyard. Uh, the guy described Hodgkinson as a quiet guy who was very mellow, very reserved when they stayed overnight at a Sanders supporter home in Rock Island, Illinois, after canvassing for the center. He was this union tradesman, pretty stocky. We stayed up talking politics. He was more on the really progressive side of things. Uh, the Washington Post reached out to this guy after seeing that he liked one of Hodgkinson's Facebook posts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, can, can you imagine? I mean, that's one of the things that you're, you know, you, hey, I, I like this guy's post. And then next thing you know, he gets identified as somebody who was trying to massacre a bunch of people. Um, on a, a baseball field in Virginia. I mean, a lot of questions remain. You know, did he move to Virginia? Again, the, the, apparently the reports are, according to his wife, that long time, I mean, he's like a lifetime resident of Illinois, two months ago moves to Alexandria, Virginia. And the question becomes, you know, why, why did he do that? Did he do it with the idea of, uh, again, trying to, you know, commit these crimes and again the uh, Washington Post reporting a Facebook page belonging to a person with the same name includes pictures of Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders and rhetoric against President Trump including a post that reads Trump is a traitor Trump has destroyed our democracy it's time to destroy Trump and company Um, other people describe him as a um, uh, again a, a quiet it's a quiet guy. So uh, you, you do wonder, you know, what, what's going on here. And you wonder whether are there other people who have been, I, I don't know, militarized. Maybe that's the word to use because of, of all this, this rhetoric that's out there. We can't disagree with people about policy anymore. We can't say, okay, I, I think Donald Trump is wrong about climate change, or, you know, I think Obamacare is the greatest thing since canned beer, and, you know, we, we need to keep it to protect people. We can't do that now. It, it's that you, you're an evil Republican. You're an evil conservative if you decide that you want to repeal and replace Obamacare. You want to kill people. We, we can't say that, hey, all right, you know, maybe we need to look at the whole question of global warming and climate change and, and wonder, do the Paris Accords, is that something we really need to be a party to? Or alternatively, you know, are there other things that we can do to protect the planet? Do you have to do you have to necessarily buy into that left-wing orthodoxy to be somebody, to mean, and if you don't do that, does that mean that you hate the planet or want, you know, people to die or whatever? It's the rhetoric ends up getting very, very troubling. And I guess you knew something like this was going to happen at some point in time. And I guess today is the day that some of those chickens are coming home to roost. What will be interesting to see is whether or not there's any sort of degree of introspection at all, whether or not, again, some of the people who have fanned this We'll take a step back and say, okay, do we bear some responsibility for this? Just like the whole question on, on the right has been, all right, you know, did 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 the the right wing media did that create the rise of, of Donald Trump and is there responsibility? Well, okay, did people on the left help create the climate that led to somebody to act out in the fashion that they did? All right, um, the president is scheduled to address the nation any moment now. Okay, we've got the president starting right now. Let's go to it. A gunman opened fire on members of Congress and their staffs as they were practicing for tomorrow's annual charity baseball game. 
Authorities are continuing to investigate the crime, and the assailant has now died from his injuries. The FBI is leading the investigation and will continue to provide updates as new information becomes available. Congressman Steve Scalise, a member of House leadership, was shot and badly wounded and is now in stable condition at the hospital, along with two very courageous Capitol Police officers. At least two others were also wounded. Many lives would have been lost if not for the heroic actions of the two Capitol Police officers who took down the gunman despite sustaining gunshot wounds during a very, very brutal assault. Melania and I are grateful for their heroism and praying for the swift recovery of all victims. Congressman Scalise is a friend and a very good friend. He's a patriot and he's a fighter. He will recover from this assault and Steve, I want you to know that you have the prayers not only of the entire city behind you, but of an entire nation and frankly the entire world. America is praying for you and America is praying for all of the victims of this terrible shooting. I spoke with Steve's wife, Jennifer, and I pledge to her our full and absolute support. Anything she needs, we're with her and with the entire Scalise family. I have also spoken with Chief Matthew Verderosa. He's doing a fantastic job of the Capitol Police to express our sympathies for his wounded officers and to express my admiration for their courage. Our brave Capitol Police perform a challenging job with incredible skill and their sacrifice makes democracy possible. We also commend the brave first responders from Alexandria Police Fire and Rescue who rushed to the scene. Everyone on that field is a public servant. Our courageous police, our congressional aides, who work so tirelessly behind the scenes with enormous devotion, and our dedicated members of Congress who represent our people. We may have our differences, but we do well in times like these to remember that everyone who serves in our nation's capital is here because, above all, they love our country. We can all agree that we are blessed to be Americans, that our children deserve to grow up in a nation of safety and peace, and that we are strongest when we are unified and when we work together for the common good. Please take a moment today to cherish those you love and always remember those who serve and keep us safe. God bless them all. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you. That was President Trump addressing the nation. I guess the, um, the 
breaking news out of that was his announcement that the the shooter had passed away. It had died as a result of um, injuries sustained in the gun battle with members of the Capitol Police. And once again, the shooter is being identified by numerous sources as an Illinois resident, James T. Hodgkinson, who was a left-wing political activist Facebook page, including includes a post calling President Trump a, a traitor. Um, we'll be back. It's 1041. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1045. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. WTMJ lets you experience Wisconsin's finest supper clubs at half price. This week, our featured supper club is Pitch's Lounge and Restaurant in Milwaukee. Um, uh, an amazing Place. If you haven't been to Pitches lately, you owe it to yourself to, to check it out. Featuring their specialty barbecue baby back ribs, hmm, Pitches has been family-owned and operated for over 70 years. This Friday at 12 noon, you can get a $50 certificate for only $25. It's like stealing, but it's legal. These will go quickly. We only have 100 available. Get yours this Friday starting at noon by heading to WTMJSupperClub.com. Also, um, j- just... One article of business, uh, just an, an update. Last night for this trip that I'm going to be doing um, on the Danube River in October of 2018, we, we had a huge turnout. Uh, the event was last night. It, uh, it's going to be in October of 2018. Over 150 people showed up. There are There's limited space on, on the ship. There really is. There's only like 70-some cabins, and that includes the... Um, that includes suites, and they're not all available to Fox World Travel people. Um, and I know there was a huge interest in it. I bring this up only because if you weren't able to attend the event last night, but you heard about it, you were thinking, I'd like to go, um, I, I would not delay. I, I would you know, call the Fox World Travel folks. I, I don't want people who want to go to be shut out, um, but I think they're pretty confident it's going to sell out and sell out very, very quickly. So you can uh, check that out as well. You know, I've, I've been thinking this morning as we've been hearing the stories about the, now it turns out, a 66-year-old guy from Bellevue, Illinois, who has been in the out, political activist, progressive, Bernie Sanders supporter, um, who uh, has all sorts of posts on his Facebook page about how Trump is a traitor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I, we don't know how he ended up in Alexandria, Virginia, other than ABC is reporting that his wife said, hey, he's been out there for the last couple months. So you, you wonder, did he did he move there with the intent of trying to do something like this? And, and those details will emerge. I'm not sure that we're ever going to fully know the motive because, as President Trump just said, um, he's died as a result of injuries sustained in the gun battle with Capitol Police. But I'm sure, well, I, I, I'm confident that this isn't going that this this isn't going to necessarily dial down the rhetoric that, that that's out there and the people that continue to hate the president will continue to hate the president and this will not slow them down a, a, at all. But it, it does say something interesting to me about the the whole profession of politics. I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day, and I'm not going to name, it's a her, I'm not going to name her, Um, but, you know, she was talking about getting involved in politics, and she was thinking about, you know, running for this office or that office, it doesn't matter what it is, and and we had this kind of long heart-to-heart, and I said, really? (laughs) I I mean, really? And and I was kind of, I said, look, I, I I think you'd be great. I think you're exactly the type of person that should get involved in politics. I think you would be able to make a difference. I think it would be tremendous. But... And there's always a but. 
But have you considered this? Have you considered that? Given the nature of politics nowadays, do you really want to be involved in that? I mean, do you really, you know, even if you get elected, um, you're, you're going to automatically have 40% of the people who are going to hate you because you're not of their particular political party. Then you're going to have another 5% who are going to hate you because of, of whatever. They're jealous or, you know, you don't support a particular special interest. Do you really want to go through all that? And now, of course, you have the overlay of violence. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have to tell you the truth. Um, again, this person I was talking to was exactly the type of person that you, you want to see involved in politics. But you know what? I was discouraging her for getting involved because as her friend, as her friend, I just thought she was just I, – I thought it was a lifestyle. It was – it just wasn't the best thing for her life. If you had – if you were in my situation and you had a friend or you had a relative – if you had one of your kids that came to you and said, Mom or Dad, I'm thinking about getting involved in politics. I want to run for whatever. Would you encourage them to do that? Or would you do what I did with my friend, which was essentially say, I've seen this movie, run. Run hard, run fast, get away from this. You know, you just you don't need this right now. Would you encourage somebody to go into politics? And I've been actually I've been having this in the conversation in the back of my mind all morning as I'm as I'm thinking about here you have a bunch of people that were shot at, I think ultimately just because of their political orientation. Would you encourage somebody to get involved in politics? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You need good people in politics, but the vilification is so extreme um, that the costs to a family or whatever it is so extreme. I mean, if your kid came to you or your spouse came to you or your brother or sister came to you, um, you know, would you encourage him? 414-799-1620. Bob in Menominee Falls. Bob, you're first. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you today? I'm good. Well, tough day. What do you, what do you, uh, what do you I, think? <laughs> I get it. And our prayers are with them for yeah. sure. Uh, I, I think there are two approaches, Jeff, to uh, uh, two schools of thought. I think there's an intellectual response, and and then there's obviously an emotional response. It's a it's a, a proud uh, a proud profession, uh, a storied profession. Uh, that that would that would be the 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 emotional response. I think the intellectual response is, geez, maybe times aren't so good to do that right now. Right. <laughs> Right. And I guess and it's unfortunate because it, it's no. I've met a lot of people. I've been fortunate to meet a lot of people over the years who were involved in politics on both sides of the aisle. Real good, real dedicated people. But I'm telling you, on an emotional level, um, I, I, you, you want to see them win. But the environment is such that, you know, who needs it? Seriously, yes, who needs it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, thanks. And that, and that was kind of that was sort of the response that I gave to to my friend. I said, look, I, I think you'd be great at this. And if you decide to get involved, I'll, I'll be de- I'd be delighted to you know help you in, however I can, consistent with whatever our rules are. But do me a favor and think think about this. And, you know, and if, if you've decided after thinking about this, that this is what you want to do, I mean, come on back. But. But man, I mean, think about your family. Think about your friends. Think about you know your 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 health. I mean, is is this worth it? 
All right, we continue the conversation in two minutes. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1052, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1055, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Tiffany in Milwaukee. Tiffany, good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Well, I'm thinking that you really don't need to avoid politics altogether. What you really need to do is get involved on the local level because that's where you can make the most difference. Yeah, but the local level, in some respects, is where it's most vicious. (laughs) It really is. Well, but you're working with your neighbors, especially even if you start small, think school board, get involved in your local community, and then grow outward from there. Let me, let me, it's, it's funny you should mention school board. This is a true story. I had a, a friend of mine, a number of years ago, he, he worked with my, my late wife, lawyer in town, successful lawyer. He was on a local school board, and it was either a volunteer position or maybe you got $25 a month like as a stipend, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, the school board, at the time, there was a bunch of turmoil, and they had gotten rid of a superintendent, and they'd fired a couple principals. It, it was turmoil. At one point in time, this is a true story, my friend, you know, so these people that got fired turned around, and they sued the school board collectively and individually. They named all the school board members. At one point in time, my friend had over $25 million in lawsuits filed against him, where he was named. And um, and again, it ultimately, you know, he wouldn't ultimately be liable. But while these things were pending, any time he wanted to, like, take out a car loan or get a mortgage, he had to disclose the fact that he had millions of dollars in lawsuits against him. And I said, okay, tell me again you know, why you did this. And sometimes he'd just shake his head. But he was doing it because he wanted to make a difference. He had all the right motivations. Well, and you need to be a patriot. And you think of our founding forefathers. If they let fear drive their decisions, we wouldn't be the country that we are today. And I think that's what's getting us in such poor shape, is that we have this spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. When what we really need to do is stand on the rock of our Lord Jesus Christ and say, no, my God is even greater than this violence that's going on. You see, and I, and I guess I'm, I, I, see, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the patriotic aspect of this. I, I'm just, I'm just saying that given the climate nowadays, um, I, I think it is a factor that people have to consider, and I'm not trying to discourage good people on the left or right from getting involved and deciding, hey, I want to try to make a difference. That That's great, and we need you. At the same time, on the personal level, you, you look at the toll this takes. You know, Tiffany, you say start on the local level. I, I'll tell you, I mean, go, go attend – Go attend some of these village board meetings. Go attend some of these contentious common council hearings. I'm not just talking about Milwaukee. You know, and, and look at, at some of the stuff that goes on. You say, well, you're there with your neighbors. Well, sometimes, you know, when, when it is that local type of thing, that's where the stuff gets more the most heated because it's not just this general sort of concept. It's, wait a minute, you know, you want to let the Walmart go in two doors down from me? That's going to completely destroy my quality of life. I, I, I think, you know, sometimes I have found the most passionate um, and sometimes most difficult things have been on the local level because it affects people so very intently. But the, the bottom line, something to think about, especially in, in today's climate of like overcharged political rhetoric. And, and you're right, though. You want to have good people run. If the only people who are running for office are people who are doing it for themselves – and again, it doesn't matter whether you're on the right or left or in the middle. If the only people who are running for office are doing it for themselves, um, that that's not good for democracy. It's 1059, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We're going to switch gears a little bit coming up in the next hour. Stick around. 
It's 1109, Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. I, I think there's a couple things I want to talk about before the program ends. Obviously, we're mer- we are monitoring what is going on in Washington, D.C., and if there's any additional updates, um, we will bring that to you. Pretty much, I, I think we what there is to see is what there is to see, essentially. You had the gunman who's now been identified as a 66-year-old political activist out of Illinois with no no appreciable criminal record, from what I, I can tell. I mean, a couple contacts with law enforcement, but nothing significant, who, at least according to his wife, relocated to Alexandria, Virginia, two months ago, and, and he shows up and starts you know, shooting up this Republican baseball practice. I... He's now dead. I mean, he was killed in exchange of, of gunfire, so you never know. They'll, they'll try to recreate his steps. It, it, I, I don't get the sense that this was a guy who was targeting anybody specifically. There were early reports that one or two congressmen who were leaving the field ran into someone, and, and they weren't able to say for sure that it was the shooter, but my guess is now that his picture is being circulated, they'll be able to. And the guy asked if it was Republicans or Democrats that were out there. Um, my, my sense is, as the investigation develops, that it's not somebody who necessarily went to the field with the idea of, hey, I'm, I'm going to shoot a, a particular congressman. It was a guy who went to the field with the idea that I'm going to try to shoot Republicans. That's, that's in some respects, it, it's scarier. Um, but that's where I think this is going to end up going. But, again, more details will end up emerging out of this. And we'll continue to keep you posted. I know we're going to cover this during the course of, of the day. Uh, there are there is other stuff going on in the world, and I, I did. There's a couple things I want to talk about. The, the Bill Cosby trial. Now, if this if this was five or ten or fifteen years ago, I, I don't know that Bill Cosby would getting be getting the same attention as, as O.J. Simpson, but but Bill Cosby. At one point in time, now I understand he's 79 years old and the Bill Cosby heyday is gone, but at one point in time, I mean, Bill Cosby was as big a celebrity as there, there was. I mean, certainly on the, on the level of an O.J. Simpson or, or something like that. And this particular trial, which, I mean, it, it's very, very salacious. I mean, here, here you have Bill Cosby, who's kind of America's, you know, the, the Dr. Huxtable, you know, America's dad, who's been married for 50 years, and... It, it, it's coming out that during the course of the marriage, uh, Cosby was behaving in a best case scenario, behaving in a just a, a terrible fashion, um, trying to sleep with or sleeping with all these different women. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that he was drugging women and then uh, sexually assaulting them, sexually raping them. So no, no matter how you look at it, it, it doesn't look good for Bill Cosby. The case. All right. It took the prosecution about a week to present its case last week. Uh, they rested. The defense, it took six minutes. They did not put Bill Cosby on the witness stand. Bill Cosby wasn't going to get anywhere near that witness stand because if he did, um, I think the prosecution would have been able to question him about all these other women who over the years have alleged that he gave them drugs and then, you know, uh, essentially a date rape type of drug. So he wasn't going to get anywhere near the stand. The defense rested after six minutes. The case went to the jury on Monday afternoon, and here we are Wednesday. It's eleven twelve our time. This is on the East Coast, so it's afternoon, and and you still you know do not have a verdict. If this were a multiple defendant drug case, this would be kind of prime prosecution time. 
uh, the fact that it's a single defendant and you're really looking at, at one act, you know, who, who do you believe? Or, and that's not the fair question. Do you believe this beyond a reasonable doubt that, that he's guilty? The fact that the jury and, and you will go broke trying to guess what jurors are, are thinking and their process. But my sense would be that the longer the jury is out, the, the better it is for Cosby, simply because, again, they're not going to be deciding whether or not he's guilty or innocent. What they're going to be deciding is whether the states proved him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And, and there is there is, there is a difference. And, you know, this case, as I said all along, I, maybe the prosecution is going to get conviction. I don't know what happened between the two of them back, you know, in 2004 or 2005. I just know that this case, to me, it screams reasonable doubt. But but I understand the prosecution did a pretty good job. So um, here's what's happened. The jury has come forward four times asking to either have evidence re-read to them um, or seeking clarifications. Um, on Monday, they asked the judge to clarify the context in which Mr. Cosby had described the three pills he gave to the woman as little friends. The judge read aloud a section of his deposition testimony from 2005 where he used the phrase. Yesterday, the jury um, asked to hear excerpts from his deposition testimony. He was sued a decade ago, and so that's why there's a deposition. In particular, um, in Mr. Cosby's own words, how he met her, and in graphic detail, his version of the encounters at his home near Philadelphia. Um, on one occasion, they had sexual contact, he said, and then she stopped him from going further. On a later night in 2004, he gave her pills that she said incapacitated her. Um, later Tuesday, the jurors asked to rehear testimony of a guy from Canada who took her first statement when she went to authorities in January 2005. And there, there's a number of inconsistencies. Her original statements differ from what she said later on. She told a detective that the incident with Mr. Cosby happened after a dinner at a restaurant, that she had never been alone with him before, and that their contact afterwards was rare. Later on, she said she went directly to his home, had been alone with him before when he made the advances, and had stayed in contact afterwards uh, because of Temple University business. Th- those are the type of inconsistencies which while you might explain them, also kind of scream reasonable doubt. All right, I want to open up the phone line. Just one section, segment, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Over the years, I think a lot of people respected Bill Cosby, and, and not just for the TV persona and the stuff he did, but for the things he talked about. I mean, he was a, a spokesperson in many respects for the, the notion of accountability. He, he talked extensively about how he thought, for example, young black men needed to stand up and they needed to take responsibility. And if, you know, stop having kids out of wedlock and stop just bailing on them and start supporting your children and things like that. So he was a, a spokesperson in, in many respects for that. Now, you know, in the twilight of his life, he's 79 years old. He's nearly blind. Um, you're, you're looking at, at this type of thing, which has happened to his, his image. If Bill Cosby were to get convicted, should he go to prison? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
under normal circumstances, if you had somebody who was convicted essentially of drugging someone and having unwelcome sexual contact, you know, you would be arguing, yes, you, you put this guy in prison. If, for the sake of argument, the jury comes back, and I, I think it would be a little bit of a surprise, but who knows, I didn't sit through the trial day after day. If Bill Cosby gets convicted, do you want to see him go to prison? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss next. It's 1117, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1119, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The WTMJ Classic Free Ride makes a pit stop right here in town today. Join John McCure and Wisconsin's Afternoon News as they broadcast live from 3 until 6 at Great Lakes Distillery. That's 616 West Virginia Street. Register to win the amazing 1968 Valenti Oldsmobile 442 convertible and tickets to see Willie Nelson perform at Summerfest next month. Summerfest, as a matter of fact, for those of you who are keeping track, starts two weeks from today. How cool is that? In any event, our classic free ride event at Great Lakes Distillery that is today from 3 until 6 in Milwaukee. It's the WTMJ Classic Free Ride, sponsored by New Mail Medical in Wauwatosa and Summerfest. I do not know what happened between Bill Cosby and this this woman in 2004 or 2005. I, I don't, don't know what happened. We, we know that there was some form of sexual contact. The question becomes, was it consensual or non-consensual? If I had to guess, I would guess he's going to get acquitted of that, not because, again, necessarily something didn't happen, just because the, the question is, can you prove him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of something? And that's that's a very, very tough standard, especially in a case like this, where the incident happened a decade ago. The jury's already been told that the original prosecution decided not to bring the case because of, of lack of evidence. You've also got inconsistent statements, which in some cases are it, it's a, in some cases it's easily explainable. You know, especially you know in the aftermath of a sexual assault, you can understand why somebody would be again discombobulated. This is a little bit different because the, the lady in question waited quite a while before she started making her allegations, and so again, you've got all this stuff going on. I, I would not be surprised, I guess, if, if he is, in fact, acquitted without regard for whether or not he actually did or not. But even if he did do it, the man's re- – he's 79 years old. The guy's reputation has, I think, been completely and totally destroyed. Do you gain anything at this point in time by putting him in prison? Let's start with Jason in Sheboygan. Jason, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Um I guess if this was my sister, mother, whatever this happened to, and it sounds kind of selfish, I guess, but, you know, he is a celebrity, and to sit in prison in the last couple of years of life, I, I could you go after him civilly after this, like the O.J.? Well, he did, I mean, he, they, they did go after him civilly. He paid her a bunch of money. I, I mean, he's, he, yeah. she did sue him. That's like this deposition that they're reading to the jury. That's that's a deposition he gave in a civil case. So I mean, she's already collected a, a whole bunch. Of, I don't. I, I should know off the top of my head. I'm not sure it's been public, but she's collected a lot of money from him. She already sued him. And he settled it. I got you. Well, you know, the only thing I, I do think, let's say somebody who's 30 years old or has terminal cancer does the same thing. 
and he's got six months to live, are you going to say, well, it doesn't pay to put him in jail for six months? Well, that you know, that's a yeah, no, it is, and, and that see, that's a that's a very interesting question. I mean, the idea would be, all right, do you, do you give somebody a break because of their age? And typically, my response would would be no. You know, when you have these stories about the, for example, the, the Nazi prison guards who you know came into this country under false circumstances and they're ninety years old and now they've been identified and people want to extradite them and prosecute them for war crimes, I'm like, all right, you know, that's I, I don't think age is is a barrier there. This case is a little more difficult just because of all the circumstances. Let me just be real clear here. I don't think as a practical matter, in the event he is convicted, I, I don't think I don't think he's going to end up serving jail time. I, I don't think at the age of seventy nine, almost blind, I don't see a judge sending him to prison. I think this is going to be one of the things where you say, okay, this is the final nail in his in his reputation you know he stands if he's convicted and that's that's a big if but if he's convicted he's going to you know stand convicted as a sexual offender he's already paid her a bunch of money as far as damages or or if you want to call it restitution and i i think what's going to happen is in the event he's convicted a judge is probably going to look at this and say based on all these facts and circumstances based on his age based on his his health situation almost blind but that putting him in prison for something that happened 10 12 13 years ago really doesn't serve any public interest and of course some people will perhaps scream that that means he's getting special treatment as a celebrity i i don't i don't know that that i think that that's necessarily the case i'm not sure in a similar situation some other 80 year old guy or 79 year old guy who is almost blind would be treated any differently matt in burlington matt you're on 620 wtmj good morning good morning jeff how are you today I, I'm well. Did you ever think that Bill Cosby, you know, and you know, if you grew up watching the Cosby Show and Fat Albert and all this stuff, did you ever think that Bill Cosby would find himself in a situation like this at the end of his life? No, it truly is, is shocking and unpredictable, and, and that's the whole thing about it. There apparently was a dark side to this man. A very dark side, yeah. And the, the logic that you said before where you said, well, you know, what public good is going to be served by this like one of the roles of punishment is a deterrent yep so that is a public good and then you also look at some of the rather trivial things younger people go through for stupid things they uh, did when they were young um uh, marijuana take that for example well what good does it do to throw an 18 year old kid in prison for some weed so it's it's a slippery slope Mm -hmm. um do you think, would you like to, if he is convicted, again, that, that's, that candidly, in my opinion, is, is pretty big right. if. If, if, he, if he is convicted, um, the, the reality is, if he, gets, if he gets a sentence of three, four, five years, that's probably a life sentence. Do you think that would be appropriate? I guess my response to that is, let's compare it to Denny Hasser. Right, then the former Speaker of the House former who... Speaker of the House who right. apparently liked to watch boys shower and do... Back when he was, a, right, he was a teacher slash wrestling coach back in high school yep. decades ago, back, right? Back in the day, and I believe now he's doing how, a couple of years, two, three years in federal... Got to check. Got got to yeah, check. I, I'll, I I'll look during the break. I know he's in prison. I know he's in prison. I, I'll look. I'll, I'll look during the break. Now, interesting analogy. Thanks for the call. Let me take a. Uh, I have one more commercial break, right? Okay. Let me take a very quick break. I'm going to check on the Denny Hastert thing. 
1129, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Yeah, Dennis Hastert, former Speaker of the House, who was, um, his sentence was 15 months. Um, he was 74 years old. He was in a wheelchair. He um, was technically convicted of, of structuring transactions in order to avoid IRS reporting requirements. But the, the underlying reason why he did it, he was being... I don't know if it's fair to say blackmailed, but he he was he was trying to pay off somebody who he molested decades and decades ago to try to keep the, keep silence, and and that's that's ended up what happening. So I mean, while the underlying conviction was structuring transactions, it, it was really the judge described him as being a serial child molester. He went to jail for um, fifteen months. I'm. I wonder, my guess is he's probably out by now, but I don't know that for certain. Uh, Bill Cosby is, of course, older. He's blind. Um, different sort of circumstances. guess we'll cross that bridge. I will not be surprised if, even if he is convicted, Bill Cosby never serves a day in uh, jail. Eleven thirty-six. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. WTMJ. That's us. Let's you experience Wisconsin's finest supper clubs at half price. This week, our featured supper club is Pitch's Lounge and Restaurant in Milwaukee. Um, really, a, a great, great, long-time established restaurant on the east side. Do a tremendous job. Featuring their specialty barbecue baby back ribs, Pitch's has been family-owned and operated for over seventy years now. This Friday, day after tomorrow at noon. You can get a $50 certificate for only 25 bucks. It does not get any better than that. These will go quickly. We only have 100 available. Get yours this Friday starting at noon by heading to WTMJSupperClub.com. Hey, when you're at the WTMJ uh, main page, you can check out our mobile apps. You can listen to the podcasts. I know lots of people are, are doing that, and I greatly appreciate it. We will, of course, continue to keep you updated on you know any additional breaking developments out of Alexandria, Virginia. I think it's, it's pretty much a stable situation now. The president reporting that the gunman who is being identified as James T. Hodgkinson, a 66-year-old man from Bellevue, Illinois, left-wing political activist, no appreciable criminal record, but an, an Internet presence that indicated that he considered the president to be a traitor, um, uh, traveled and, and started shooting. Now, I, I don't know. Some people are suggesting that because he was Illinois in Illinois and because of the, the fact that uh, one of the congressmen who was not shot but was you know on the field was from Illinois, maybe that means it was planned. I, I don't know. And maybe you're never going to figure it out exactly, again, because the, the shooter was killed in the exchange of gunfire. But we'll continue to keep you updated on other developments. One of the big stories out of Madison... And I think many of us hoped that there would be a state budget by now. The big sticking point with the state budget continues to be transportation funding. Uh, If the state is going to continue to grow, thrive, and survive, you you need a quality road system. You, you You just do. In addition... There's all sorts of road work that needs to be done to just, again, not just only maintain, but take care of some of the crumbling roads. And, of course, here in southeastern Wisconsin, there's 
and that's just just southeastern Wisconsin. There's there's enormous issues. You've got the Zoo Interchange Project, for example, that seems like it has been going on forever. You've got a number of people who live in the southern part of our listening area who badly, badly, badly want to see an expansion of I-94 between the state line and through Racine County because, again, to ease congestion. You also have the very, very contested concept of expanding the freeway between the zoo interchange and between the marquette interchange and the argument is if you don't do that what's going to happen is you've got all right you you work on the zoo interchange and west you work to the south and then you have all these cars that are feeding into an area that needs to be expanded and hasn't been that's controversial because it's going to cost a lot of money and you've got a bunch of environmental activists and the the anti-car crowd who's been fighting that as well but you need more money to pay for it and there's a split in the legislature the assembly republicans uh, led by robin voss don't apparently the, the governor wants to borrow he says look i found more money in the general fund let's transfer a bunch of money from there and let's borrow the rest All right the state senate appears willing to go along with that both uh, the, the leader of the state senate and the governor say hey republicans didn't get sent to madison to raise taxes um the leaders in the assembly are into raising taxes, or at least open to the idea. And so they're exploring things like, well, how about we raise the gas tax? Or how about we start applying the sales tax to gasoline, which that's a complete and total non-starter, in my opinion, is an idea. But they're throwing around these different things. Then there's the idea, how about we try to do toll roads? And the governor says, well, I'd be open to toll roads, but only if you put them right at the interstate, right, right at the borders, which that that's... That, that would be years in the offing. You'd have to get federal permission to do it. You'd have to build them. And then you'd have to survive, in my opinion, five or ten years of legal challenges because, at least in my opinion, the Commerce Clause of the Constitution is very clear. You, you can't, you know, one state can't regulate interstate you know, commerce. And by setting up toll roads that only try to capture out-of-state traffic, I think it's pretty clear that you'd be violating the Constitution. Maybe I'm wrong, but trust me, you're looking at five or ten years of litigation. So toll roads aren't an immediate answer. So, okay, it looks like there's this impasse. Well, here's an interesting thing. Um, One of the Republicans, her name is Amy Loudenbeck of Clinton. She's saying, hey, I've 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 got an idea. Rather than raising the gas tax on everybody... Rather than raising uh, fees or registration fees, why don't we do what four other states have done? And let's go after the heavy trucks. These are the trucks that, that candidly do more damage to the roads, you know, the heavy trucks. And her idea is we could place a per mile fee on, you know, the heavy trucks. The fee would be implemented. It wouldn't cost as much to do it. Um, we wouldn't have to, like, invest in toll roads or infrastructures or things like that. It would just be that we would require th- these truckers to pay, you know, X cents a mile. And what we would do is they would then use the, this fee on these heavy trucks and that we would use that. They think that they could raise about $250 million dollars from this fee, and the argument is, um, you know, coupled with the other things we're doing, you know, we, we 
go a long way towards solving the transportation problem. If Wisconsin adopted Kentucky's 2.85 cent per mile fee, it would raise more than $250 million for the state over two years. Now, the downside is these fee increases get passed on. So if you if you charge the truckers more, they're going to presumably pass that cost on to the people who are using them to ship goods, and the people that are using them to ship goods are then presumably going to pass that cost on to the consumers. But this would generate about $250 million in revenue if you did a little under $0.03. Cents. Obviously, the trucking industry is apoplectic over this idea. Um, there are Democrats in Madison who say, let's just raise the gas tax. Why are we coming up with these ideas? Let's just go ahead and raise the gas tax. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I actually don't think that this is a bad idea. I think, candidly... It makes more sense than a lot of the different things that I've heard thrown around. What do you think? It's 1143. We take your calls next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1147, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, we're dealing with the state transportation budget. There's kind of an impasse here. Governor Walker says, you know, no, no tax increases. I want to generate the revenue we need from borrowing. And by the way, borrowing isn't always bad. The example I give is, I, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have been able to buy my house unless I took out a mortgage. That was bo- borrowing. The problem with borrowing is where you, you do it in an irresponsible fashion or you borrow too much or whatever. So borrowing in and of itself isn't necessarily a problem. Obviously, it's better to pay as you go. But with the transportation budget, to pay as you go, you're going to be looking at probably massive increases in the gas tax. I think, frankly, that is a non-starter. I don't know why some Assembly Republicans don't understand that. But one of the ideas is being floated is, why don't we, go, why don't we look at heavy trucks? And trucks already pay a substantial registration fee. But the idea is, let's do what Kentucky does. Let's put a three-cent-per-mile tax on them. That'll generate $250 million. I understand that if you do something like that, ultimately that cost gets passed on to consumers. But it does get spread out among all consumers as opposed to just some. Let's talk to Mike in Bayview. Mike, you're on 620 BTMJ. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I didn't like the idea at first about taxing heavy trucks, but i seen the statistics now. There are 30% more heavy trucks on the road than there were a decade ago. And with the advent of places like people are buying from Amazon and that stuff, it's only going to increase more. They're moving more goods around. Right. The only question I would have is what happens with the interstate truckers? Who do they? How do you collect that if you're truck is registered in Michigan or something and you're just you're passing through but you're coming through Wisconsin quite a bit I don't know how that would work yeah and I don't know enough about the industry to answer that question right I mean right and I I, yeah no thanks I don't know enough about how how you go about like how does Kentucky end up collecting this um let's see on our text line Jerry writes I drive a truck for a major corporation if something like this would pass ultimately the cost would be passed on to consumers seeking freight delivery or any other delivery for that matter and that's true I mean, let, let's not let's not sugarcoat it. The, the reality is that there is no free lunch, and it, this is a form of a tax increase. It would not be direct on consumers 
like uh, increasing the gasoline tax or what I think is a completely and totally harebrained idea, trying to apply the state 5% sales tax to gasoline, which because gasoline doesn't have a static cost. I mean, right now the gas tax is, what, 30-whatever cents a gallon, you know, per gallon, and it's fixed. If you... If you reduce the gas tax but apply a 5% sales tax, if gasoline goes up to you know $3 a gallon, 5% of $3 a gallon is a lot more than 5% of $2.20 a gallon. So um, it would generate a ton more money, but it would also take a lot of more money out of the pockets of, uh, I think, citizens. So that's why a gas tax increase is just a non-starter. And regardless, that's what, that's what the governor says. My preference in this would be to do it with borrowing. I think you can shift general revenue and you can take care of the situation and you can do it with borrowing and then we can see where we are down the road. I do agree that kicking the can down the road and just delaying these projects doesn't make a lot of sense because the projects are going to need to get done. The cost of these projects is only going to go up. So I think we need to directly and totally address the uh address the transportation, you know, issue. Rick in Green Bay. Rick, you're on six twenty BTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. My note says you're a truck driver. I am. Matter of fact, I'm right here in Wisconsin driving from uh, Ripon. Okay. At the Green Bay. What we have to do is we have to fill out a trip report, a mileage information. So when we leave the state of Wisconsin, we have to write down what our mile is. When we leave the state of Illinois, we have to write down our mile. So if we drive, let's say, 78, mm-hmm. 79 miles in the state of Illinois, that's what we pay the uh, taxes on. Right, and and the, the like the trip report. Did does your does your boss? Do they send it in, or do you have to drop it off when you're leaving the state? How does that work? So my my boss or the accountant or whoever takes care of that, they have to send it in to each state. Right, right, right. So that you just you just keep your log. You turn your log in when you're you're back wherever, and then they have to send it in. They pay for it. So that, as a practical matter, this is something. This is something that could work. You know, again, leaving aside the question about whether it's the fairest way, this is something that could work. Yeah, it will. You know, the cost ultimately will be passed sure. on to the consumer. But yeah, you know, I'm also a, a fan of uh, tolls too. But you know, you can't just have them at you know right. on one side of the interstate or the other. Right. So, so. You, yeah, that, that it's interesting. I mean, thanks to call. There, there's there, a lot of the trucking groups. They wrestle with the idea. See, some of them would prefer this to, you know, the increased use of tolls. But like I say, the idea that they're floating in Wisconsin with regard to tolls, in my opinion, and I don't claim to be a constitutional scholar, but I think there's a lot of other people who, who would agree, From it's, just, it's probably not legal. If you're going to do tolls, you've got to do tolls all over the state. And I mean, do you really want to pay a toll to drive between Milwaukee and, and Madison? I just again, you can't just target interstate commerce. You can't just target the people that are coming in from Illinois or from Minnesota. Um, that's that's part of the problem that's there. Uh, this I, 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 just, I throw this out there because this is the first new idea that I've heard for a while. And again, I'm not naive. I understand that ultimately these costs get passed on, but at least it, it's something to think about and some different idea and I think a better idea than some of the stuff that's been coming out of the Assembly.